here. The second reading is um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you who were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to walk when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray before we think about uh, It'll be particularly verses uh, 8 to 10 together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your grace. Uh, and Father, we pray for those of us who've already uh, unwrapped it, as it were, as we've come to trust the Lord Jesus. Please, would you show us more of uh, what a wonderful gift you've given us in the Lord Jesus. I pray for those of us for whom uh, perhaps this present sits unwrapped at the moment. Uh, please, would you show us more of uh, what it is you hold out to us in all the Lord Jesus is and all that he's done. Amen. Nobody wants to be the Pharisee in Jesus' power, do they? Uh, nobody wants to be that guy or that girl who uh, looks down on other people in that slightly ugly way. Uh, nobody wants to be part of a group of people where that is kind of in the culture particularly, where the successful people make the people who haven't achieved in the way that they have feel like uh, failures. Uh, where the, the, the rich people feel they can look down on uh, the poor people, the, the haves looking down on the have-nots. Uh, where the, the moral people, whatever that means, look down on the immoral people. The, the religious get to disdain those who aren't religious the way that they are. Where the doers look down on those who don't do or can't do. Uh, nobody wants to be those people. Nobody wants to be part of a community where uh, kind of the shape and the feel of life is, is controlled by that kind of behaviour, looking down uh, on others. 
Because uh, it's exhausting. It's exhausting because you end up trying to compete and trying to keep going so that people don't look down on you. Uh, it's destructive because it kind of seeps into your hearts as you become that kind of proud, looking down your nose kind of a person. Uh, nobody wants to be the Pharisee in Jesus' story. Uh, and at the end of the, uh, the parable there, Jesus tells us the problem. Uh, he behaves the way that he does because he hasn't understood, he hasn't grasped hold of uh, the mercy of God, the, the grace of God, the, the gospel of God. Uh, so we're going to spend some time together this morning uh, trying to help one another to do that, to grasp uh, more deeply uh, the grace of God in order that we might not be those people. Uh, that our community life together would be different because it points to this kind of grace. Uh, If you've been with us uh, the last number of weeks, you'll know uh, we've been working our way through uh, the book of Ephesians, a little piece at a time. Uh, And uh, Paul's writing to a a church, first century Ephesus, who they're a very mixed bag. Uh, All kinds of people in this little church in Ephesus. Some of them uh, have grown up with Jewish backgrounds. They're steeped in the Old Testament. They've become Christians and they know loads about the God of the Bible already. Uh, And actually lots about their lifestyle has been very uh, moral, very upstanding up to this point. Uh, And together with them, you've got all the people who, uh, up until perhaps only a matter of months ago, they knew nothing of the God of the Bible. Uh, They'd never never come across the Old Testament. Their first encounter uh, with the God of the Bible is through the message about Jesus. And and up to that point, their lives have looked nothing like uh, the lives of uh, these Jewish Christians. Uh, Their backgrounds are totally different. Their cultural reference points are different. Their their language is different. They're they're a very mixed bag. Uh, And the danger is uh, that waterfall will be kind of cliques. Uh, And different subgroups and different subcultures where people will look down on one another because, hey, you know, we grew up with this stuff and you didn't. Or, hey, you know, God's acted really powerfully in our lives and we've been totally changed and you just look, well, outwardly the same way you did before you met Jesus. Uh, And so there's all this potential for for cliques and looking down and all the rest. And uh, and Paul writes uh, this letter. And it's a letter which uh, puts at its centre the grace of God displayed in Jesus. Uh, So that if we grasp this grace of God displayed in Jesus, uh, we won't be this group of people with cliques and we won't be looking down on one another. Uh, Rather, we'll point to his grace in a way that God uh, made his people and uh, saved his people to do. Uh, So we're going to look just briefly at verses uh, 8 to 10. Um, and see what difference this uh, grace makes. Um, three things we'll see there at the bottom of the sheets. Uh, if you like filling in the blanks, uh, you can do that. Uh, verse 8. Uh, Christians are saved by grace. See it there? For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Great. One of those uh, Bible words. Uh, possibly one of the most famous Bible uh, words. I guess... Uh, Amazing Grace, certainly one of the most uh, famous Christian hymns. Uh, I wonder whether grace is one of those words that we kind of bandy around, uh, but perhaps we can be a bit loose with it in terms of what it means. So uh, I'm going to get us to do a bit of work. If you want to just turn somebody uh, near you, 
Uh, and just have a quick think. What, what does grace mean? How would you explain the word grace to somebody who perhaps had never walked into a church building? Uh, don't launch in with a sort of watertight definition. Maybe just think, what, what kinds of ideas do you associate with grace? What other words would you want to bring into that definition? Uh, but just maybe take a minute just to think, what, what is grace? How would you explain it to somebody else? Uh, and then we'll come up together. If, if the thought of doing that, uh, because you're visiting this morning, or just the thought of doing that just makes you inside shrink, uh, just stand resolutely forward, um, or, or get in there early with a comment about the weather. Uh, but it would be sad if we all talked about the weather for the next uh, minute. Let's have a go, think about what grace is, uh, and then we'll come back together. Let's come back together. Probably don't have a, a kind of watertight definition. That's okay. Um, I guess we're not, we won't sort of ask people for, for answers or put anyone on the spot. I, I guess there'll be a number of uh, ideas or words floating around. Uh, perhaps mercy uh, from uh, that parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Perhaps kindness, uh, generosity. Uh, if, if you were either sticking uh, chocolate bars or, or giving them out uh, over the last week, uh, if you stopped to read what it is we were giving to people, uh, that would have been a big help to you there. Uh, a definition of grace on the back of these postcards. Uh, a spontaneous gift, generous, free, totally unexpected and undeserved. Uh, that starts to get towards it. We took that from Wikipedia just so that uh, we weren't quoting the Bible. It, but there's biblical truth in there. Um, how might we explain at grace? Uh, the kind of Sunday school answer, if we can go on a, a couple of slides... Um, uh, you can remember it as an acronym. So what does grace uh, spell? Uh, there you go. God's riches at Christ's expense. If you're wondering how the Bible talks about grace, what it means, uh, that's a, probably a good place to start. God's riches uh, at Christ's expense. Uh, like any gift uh, that is worth having, it is valuable. Uh, it's God's riches are being uh, made available. Uh, forgiveness, life with him forever. Um, but like any gift that is uh, valuable, worth having, um, you, you don't pay for it. That's what makes it a gift. Uh, somebody else pays. Uh, and it is Christ's expense. 
He covers this gift. Uh, He pays the penalty for our sin when he dies on the cross. His uh, perfect life and all that entitles him to is shared uh, with his people. It's God's riches that are held out as a gift, and they are a gift because Christ has paid for them. God's riches are at Christ's expense. Uh, how is it then we're saved as Christians? Uh, it is by uh, grace. Being saved by grace means it's not about who you are and about what you've done. It's about who Jesus is and about what he's done. Uh, that's how it goes. Uh, how are we saved as Christians? We're saved by grace. How do we receive it? It's there in verse 8. Uh, through faith. Through faith in what Jesus has done. Uh, faith is just uh, trusting someone or uh, something. You can't just have faith. You've got to have faith in something or someone. Someone's promised uh, something like that. Uh, and I want to just suggest in, in passing uh, that what you trust matters a lot more than uh, the sincerity with which you trust it. Uh, What you trust matters a lot more than how much you trust it, if you like. Uh, Because I think faith, in the way that gets talked about in our culture, is largely misunderstood. Uh, People of faith are talked about as if uh, all faiths are basically the same, that what matters is that you have faith, not what your faith is in. Uh, The Bible doesn't see the world like that. Uh, Who or what you put your faith in matters a great deal. Uh, And I guess most of us here are uh, old enough, we've been round the block enough times that we know that. Uh, It may well be for many of us. We've trusted somebody. Uh, We've really trusted them. Uh, Perhaps we've uh, built our lives on them, uh, on promises they've made to us. Uh, We've had faith in them. And we were really sincere and we really meant it. And yet actually there came a point where when the chips were down, that person didn't come through. They let us down. And in that moment, it didn't matter how much we trusted them. It didn't matter how much faith we had in them. What mattered is that they weren't in a position to be able to deliver See, the Bible, when it talks about faith, doesn't say, just believe in anything, it doesn't matter, just believe lots. It says, no, no, you've got to believe in something or someone who has the power to come through. Uh, Someone uh, who's going to deliver. It's a bit like um, paragliding. You didn't expect me to say that, did you? It's a bit like paragliding. I've got a picture, I think. Uh, Next slide, there we go, brilliant. Uh, Paragliding, as I understand it, you sort of uh, stand there on the shore uh, and uh, you're in a harness and you're strapped in and the rope sort of uh, connects you to a speedboat uh, and uh, presumably there's a moment of mild terror uh, and then the speedboat gets going and you are simply lifted up into the sky and and off you go behind the speedboat. You're harnessed to the boat. In a sense, uh, you're putting your faith, your connection to the boat... Uh, through the harness and the rope. Uh, And it's through that connection to the boat that you are lifted up by uh, not your own power, but by the massive engines in the boat. Uh, That's how it works. Uh, And in a sense, at that moment, it doesn't matter whether you're thinking, hmm, I'm not really sure about this boat, or whether you're thinking, actually, I've I've taken the engines apart and put them back together, and I'm absolutely confident this boat is going to drive me across the waves. 
It's a manner. All that matters is you're connected to the boat and the boat can deliver. Uh, there's two uh, boats here in the picture. The top left one, I don't know if you can make it out, three massive, you know, hundreds of horsepower engines. Uh, it's probably pretty clear that that sort of wreck, bottom right-hand corner, no engines. Doesn't matter how sincerely you trust that boat bottom right. If that's the boat you're connected to, you're going nowhere. Doesn't matter how cautious you are as you stand on the beach uh, and you're harnessed into that power boat. Uh, when the engine goes, you're flying, like it or not. Christians, uh, says Paul, we're saved by grace. And we receive it through faith. It's uh, the gift of God. Now I think uh, Christians forget that. Uh, And people who aren't uh, Christians or perhaps haven't had much connection or even sadly have had lots of connection with the church still uh, don't realise that. Uh, We're saved by grace. It's the gift of God. And to make it crystal clear, uh, Paul tells us how it is we're not saved. See there, this salvation, he says, verse 8, is not from yourselves. It's not from yourselves. And so it's how, how can it be? If we think back to verses uh, 1 to 3 that are printed there for us, uh, Paul's already told us Christians are saved from death to life, from uh, God's uh, wrath and, and, and bondage to the world around us, to forgiveness and, and rescue out of that. And none of those are things that we can do for ourselves. I think that a couple of weeks when uh, Ben was lying here on the table and we were uh, sort of resuscitating him with the defibrillators. That's not something you can do for yourself. What you need is a power from outside to come into your life. Uh, that is what the Christian gospel is. Good news that God's power has come from outside and can come into your life through Jesus. It's not a message of uh, self-improvement or self-help. It's a message of uh, salvation. God saves us. We don't save ourselves. And if we start to think differently on that, if we start thinking that it comes from inside of us, of ourselves, our power to change ourselves, uh, who we are by right in some way, then we'll forget that it's God's gift. And we'll become entitled. And we'll become proud. And we'll look down on people. God saves people. It's his power that comes from the outside to forgive us, uh, to raise us with Christ, to set us free. That is his gift. And Paul reminds us here, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. See, Christians boasting that they're saved is a little bit like uh, the paraglider up there, waving down at the people on the beach and saying, look at me, I can fly! it slightly misses the point of what's going on. Uh, The power comes from the boat, through the rope. Uh, The boat is the reason that the the paraglider is raised up in the air. In the same way that the power to save people comes from God through faith in Jesus, uh, that is how we're saved. It's to miss the point a little bit, to say, look at me, I'm saved. If Christians start thinking that we save ourselves, if we start boasting like that, we're missing the point. And 
what will happen is we point to ourselves and to what we do instead of to God who saves us. And we inch towards being that Pharisee. Uh, we inch towards that ugly place where we're pointing to ourselves. Look at what I do. Look at the sins I don't do. Aren't I great? And this is the point. Uh, it fails to understand how we're saved. Uh, and it makes community life uh, just as ugly. Uh, what happens if a, a community of people, though, uh, have grasped this idea of grace? Uh, if we know that we don't belong because of who we are, the country we're from, the family we're born into, how long we've been part of the church. If we know we don't belong because of the things that we do, uh, how we serve, which rotors we're on, how much we give financially, what uh, gifts we think we have, what sins we've conquered. If we know that we belong because of Jesus, well, when that happens, it makes no sense to boast. It makes no sense to uh, look down on other people because everybody's saved equally. And that is good news, it seems to me. It's good news if you're a Christian and you're tired or you're busy or you're ill uh, and you can't do the works that you used to do. It's good news because those works were never the things that saved you. Uh, If illness stops you coming to church for a while, uh, if busyness means that uh, serving is hard and you need to come off a rotor, if uh, unemployment or uh, some other financial constraint means you're not in a position to be able to give, that's okay. Because those things were never what saved you. You're saved by grace through trusting Jesus so you can relax. And nobody gets to look down on you if you're ill or tired or busy and you can't do those things. You can relax. It's good news for you if you're a Christian. It's good news for you, I think, if you're considering becoming a Christian. Because every human institution is in some way exclusive. In some way it looks down on people who are on the outside. It creates a sense in which there are the haves and the have-nots. If you're on the inside, then you have the the looks or the money or the brains or the right passport or uh, the right background or whatever it is. You have those things, so you're it. But if you don't have those things, you're a have-not and you're out. You're excluded. Until you be a way to get it if you can. You have the haves and the have-nots, or or you have the doers and the do-nots. So you do the right job, or you talk the right way, or you're strong enough, or smart enough, or fast enough, and that means you're in the team, or the club, or the group. Uh, But if you're not strong enough, or smart enough, or quick enough, or talented enough, then you're out. You're excluded. God's grace means that nobody is excluded. Because you don't earn your way in, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done. Uh, Because it's not from yourself, as Paul says, it it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. Grace means that the haves and the have-nots, the doers and the do-nots, all belong. They're all raised together on a level. 
everyone's invited and nobody gets looked down on. And the gospel delivers that in a way that nothing else can because the gospel is rooted in grace. It's not what we do or who we are. It's who God is and what he's done for us. Uh, We're saved by grace. So we can't boast in ourselves and what we do. It's a nonsense. It's like the paraglider saying that they can fly. Uh, But what are the implications of that? What, What is does it make? We said we can relax but what place then does actual serving and, and, and doing have in the Christian life? Uh, verse 10 tells us uh, we are God's handiwork if we're trusting the Lord Jesus this morning. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're created to do good works. That's the point of it. So you're not a Christian because you've done the good works. You're not made a Christian by the works that you do. But because you're a Christian, uh, you live in a certain way. Uh, We've looked at this uh, diagram before uh, and talked about it as being kind of the logic of the gospel. how, How it works. Who God is leads to what he does. Because he's generous and gracious and merciful and just... He acts in the world to save people. Supremely through sending his son. So it is that his people are saved by grace. And that changes who we are. We get a new identity. We're created in Christ Jesus now. We're new people. And out of that new identity, we act. We do the good works that God has prepared for us. But it's that way around. You reverse the order and it becomes enslaving. I've got to keep doing in order to be. I've got to keep doing in order to belong. The gospel says, no, no. You belong, you're, if you like, flying because of the speed bumps. You belong because of Jesus. You're in if you're trusting him. But being in means you're a new creation. You're living a whole new kind of life. God's power has come in from the outside. You're not going to stay the same. Uh, And so what Paul's doing here in uh, verse 10 is he's kind of contrasting. Um, I I don't do this very often, but I I changed the translation a little bit. Uh, So that the end of verse 10 reads, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. Uh, which then echoes, if you want to look back, at verse 2 of chapter uh, 2, where Paul's talking about the old life uh, that um, uh, people lived in before coming to Christ, and he says, in which you used to walk in. It gets slightly lost, uh, unfortunately, in the translation that um, uh, we've got in the the printed Bibles. Um, The point is, you used to walk in a whole way of life because of who you were. And what God has done is he's come and he's saved you and he's taken you out of that and he's given you a whole new identity, a whole new belonging. You're a new person now. And so you're not going to live and walk in that old life because you're over here now. Now you live and walk in this life. Not because you have to. Not because you're walking across in your own efforts to get there. 
but because life with God, with God's power in your life, looks different and feels different and is directed differently. That's what he's saying. Now, from the outside, they could look the same. Uh, from the outside looking in, your non-Christian friend might look at you, the Christian, and say, ah, see, what's going on here is, is you're doing loads of good stuff for God uh, so that he will accept you. Because that's how human clubs work. You've got to do the right stuff and be the right person to get in. And the non-Christian will look at the way that you live and that will be their best guess, their explanation as to why you're here this morning. Because you've got to get your name ticked off in the register so that God smiles on you this week. Uh, I remember uh, helping out at a uh, summer camp for 11 to 14 year olds. Hopefully a a group of us are going to go uh, this coming summer. But I helped out on one about 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, and... um, I had eight kids in this sort of group who were all sleeping together in the same dorm and we did stuff together all through the week. Uh, and of these eight kids, six of them, uh, uh, either their mum or their dad was um, uh, paid to work for a church. Six out of the eight. Crazy group. Um, but it was interesting, those six kids, what they saw was parents who were really busy who were doing loads for God and so what they guessed was alright okay to be a Christian to be accepted by God you've got to do loads you've got to earn it and they were living in a house where I, I know five of the six parents well they would have been talking about grace a lot We're almost hardwired in our simple hearts to think, I've got to earn it. Got to earn it. And so your non-Christian friends will guess exactly what those five uh, young boys were guessing, even though they were hearing the gospel loads. That people will look at your lives and they will guess that you are working to make God happy. And the only way they will know that that is not how God's economy works. Is if you tell them. The only way is if you tell them God saves by grace through faith in Jesus. Nobody guesses that. But it will be much easier for them to hear it if we are not people who look down on Because looking down on people is not consistent. It doesn't fit with this idea of being saved by grace. Looking down on people tells lies about what God is like and how he saves us. Wouldn't it be brilliant if we got the opportunity this week to put somebody straight? Uh, Maybe I had a conversation on Monday morning and it just mentioned, yeah, over the weekend went to church. And you can kind of see from their body language or their facial expression or the comment that they make that they just think you're there to be a goody two-shoes and to make God happy. Wouldn't it be great to have a follow-up sentence? A follow-up something that just said that you weren't going to church to make God happy. You were going to church because 
like you have Sunday lunch with your family, you gather with your church family because that's who you are, because of what God's done for you. Uh, Wouldn't it be great if there was the opportunity to uh, treat one another afterwards uh, in a way that made crystal clear nobody's looking down on anybody else because of who they are, where they're from, what they do, what they don't do. But when we're raised with Christ, we're raised on a level. Because that's how grace works. Uh, let me pray for us. And then uh, shortly we'll celebrate that kind of unity. We'll celebrate that we're all on a level uh, as we come together to share our bread and wine together. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the gospel is about grace. It's not about who we are and what we've done. It's about who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus. And that means that anybody and everybody is welcome. Uh, Thank you that that means we can relax. But thank you that it also means uh, that with your power at work in our lives, we can do the good works that you have prepared for us to do. Not feeling the pressure of having to do it to belong, but knowing the joy of being able to serve because uh, we're with you and we know you. Oh, man. Uh, we're going to sing it now to um, 